Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the hashtag Black Women Know Sports podcast. I am your host, Jaden James, and today I am joined by Tatiana Smallwood. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Tatiana Smallwood. I'm currently an associate producer at ESPN here in NYC, and I'm so happy to be here and just chat sports and I'm sure like how I got here. So let's get into it. So the first question I have for you is, was producing something that you've always had an interest in? I think it's really interesting because when I was a child, I liked creating things. Um, I was always super creative, like when it came to just like, whether it was making a planner or making a vision board. Um, and then it turned into videos where it was more like digital work that I was interested in making TikToks, making different reels. Um, all that. And I feel like that kind of translated into me wanting to overall produce. Um, I think I always kind of saw a vision for it. And then I kind of put my passion to my career. So when did you develop your interest in sports? Um, so I always played sports. And growing up, I played volleyball, softball, and I grew up in New York. So I was a big Yankees fan. And I remember like watching Yankee games as a girl and like seeing the post game reporters and I'm like, oh my God, they're right there during the Gatorade baths. Like I need to figure out how to be in that space. Um, it was something that I was like, this is where I know that I could at least have a job and be passionate and want to go to it every single day. So now with being based in New York and working for ESPN and First Take as well, Kind of take me through your journey. How did you get to this position? So first, right out of college, um, I went to UCF, go Knights, shout out to Orlando. So um, right out of college, I started working with the football team and working with UCF football. There I was doing corporate partnerships, which was not in the same field at all, but it still was, um, I still had my foot inside the sports industry. And from there, I was able to do different internships. Um, I worked for Orlando City Soccer, which is an MLS team in Orlando. And that's really where I was like getting my broadcast experience as an intern, getting my social media digital experience um, as an intern. And then I was working really closely with the directors whenever ESPN would throw, um, would have a live game for Orlando City Soccer, um, they would hire basically like freelance workers around the area. Orlando City would outsource me as a red hat or a spotter um, is like the technical term for it. So I was working with the directors already with ESPN um, out of college. And I think um, just having that drive and staying focused um, I started networking more and due to NABJ, I was able to go to their conference and meet other ESPN people. And that's really where I was able to network my way into the building. How cool is it to call ESPN your workplace? Um, it's definitely like, it's so, I just reached four years um, this January. So you'll like, you wouldn't expect your first year at ESPN to be the year where there's no sports. And that's what my first year was like. Um, I got hired in January, 2020, and then sports ended in March, 2020. And we all know how the rest of that year went. Um, but at that time I was working on first take and the last dance saved all of us at ESPN, all of us. And, you know, we still had something to talk about. We still had, and that was like, that really challenged um, every single person in the building that was still working because it was like, we have to figure out 
different ways to talk about the same things, knowing that we're not going to get any new material um, until the bubble happened. But that was really eye-opening. It was really humbling, too, because you get to ESPN, and it's like the mecca of sports networks. And then, boom, you have, for the first time ever in history, no sports. So it's like, it's really it was really humbling, and it's like, I was there as an essential worker going to work still like three to five days a week. So um, it really helped me build that toughness that I needed further along in the industry. Would you say that was the hardest thing that you've had to go through as a producer so far? I would say so. Um, You know, at that time, I was just a production assistant, but I still had a lot of voice in our group, you know, especially like George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, ESPN, like we had a microscope microscope um, underneath us because we had so many Black faces and people were asking, like, do those Black faces also have a Black voice underneath the umbrella of Disney? So as a young Black woman, you know, knowing that I'm going on Twitter and I'm seeing us get cooked, we're getting cooked in the comments and then I'm going to work every day you know, being the only Black woman in the room. And it's like, you have to be able to speak up. And um, thankfully, like I was, you know, like I've built a lot of courage, a lot of self-esteem in my life, um, have been through a lot of difficult situations in my life that have led me to be able to speak up in those rooms and say, hey, we need to focus more on Black women this, you know, right now. We need to focus more on the athletes' voices and what they're doing. Being able to pull together different clips of athletes protesting and putting together something that's like presentable for the rest of the audience, the rest of America to see. I don't know. It just makes me feel really grateful that you're able to be in that position. What is the funnest thing about your job? It's definitely working with the personalities. I would say like 70% of my job now is like managing personalities. Like you have big personalities, you have some guests that come on our show that are really small personalities. You have to figure out how to bring their personal personality out of them. That takes research, that takes not just waking up one morning and saying, oh, okay, cool. I, I know we have Rich Paul on the show today, but he seems like a cool guy. We'll just, you know, throw him any questions. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like being prepared, um, I think that I think that's part of a big challenge too. You have talent that are super picky too. I wrote scripts for a lot of hosts um, on our network, especially like, you know, people like you have talent where, you know, the producers will be like, oh yeah, we know that talent's a handful to work with. I work with all of them. So <laughs> um, you have talent that's super picky. They want their lines clean cut. They don't want any type of flavor to them. I like to say unseasoned. They like their stuff, their script unseasoned and they like to jazz it up. They like to do what they want to do on it, right? And you have some talent where they're like, we'll read it word for word. If you write it, you know, if you write it something good, we'll read it word for word. So. It's always tricky dealing, um, finding that voice of the talent that you're writing for. But after like a few shows, you start to get the hang of it. You start to um, understand their personality outside of just on the TV screen. And that helps too. Whenever you see the Cowboys lose a game on either Sunday night or Monday, whenever they're playing, do you know kind of how to write Stephen A's, you know, things or does he kind of do his own stuff at on air? Oh, he 100% does his own thing. He, so every single, I think everyone kind of anticipates it at this point, right? Like every time the Cowboys, honestly, 
he was rooting for the Cowboys to go further. I I know for a fact he wanted to see them in the Super Bowl because he wanted that downfall to be just hard as a rock. Like he just wanted it to be like a steep downfall. Unfortunately, they kind of gave us material way too soon. Um, so honestly, like this time around, he didn't get to do his like Southern Steve stuff, but it is it is funny knowing that like the next day at work we're gonna have a lot of fun whenever you do the lower thirds and things like that is that all you like do you produce kind of like everything in the show or whenever we put on first take i guess what can we see from you so that we'll know it's you so that's a really good question um so as much as i would like to get the credit girl it's all <laughs> me though we have a super we have the dream team honestly like I think first take, I mean, I've mainly worked on first take and I've mainly worked on studio shows, but I truly do think that we have like some of the best of the best people at ESPN on our show group. Um, it's me and then it's another associate producer who handles a lot of the script writing. So every day, um, Molly, she writes like the first hour of the show and then one of us will write the second hour of the show. And um, we'll also alternate between like the bumps and teases that you see. So like when it's like coming up on first take, you know, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys couldn't get it done. Could this be his last year in Dallas? I can't wait to see Stephen A's reaction. Like that'll be stuff that I'm in charge of writing. And then you have other producers like our graphics producers who make the lower thirds. And we, um, we go through meetings every single morning, like three hours before the show starts. Um, and we go through answers. We, we go through who's going to say what, like, okay, how does Shannon feel about the Lakers being one in six since the in-season tournament? Okay, Shannon is disappointed, but he thinks they'll turn it around. Okay, cool. The, the graphics person is writing that down and they're saying, okay, cool. I need to know I have a graphic that's coming up that's going to um, show the Lakers being one in six and, and their numbers. I need to have a, a lower third that says Shannon's answer, but they'll bounce back. This is all a well-oiled machine. And First Take is one of those show groups at ESPN that has, if one person falls off the train, we keep on going. Like it, we literally can do a whole show with maybe like three people, you know, if, if, if it really came down to it, um, because we really do know how to do pretty much everything. Um, the production assistants that put together the B-roll, like I was there one day, I was in their shoes, the production assistants that are um, teleprompting, you know, like everyone has a, has a role that they have to play. And I feel like everyone does it well. And that's so interesting to kind of like see and, and think about whenever Molly is saying, you know, time is up, let's move on to a new segment and Stephen A or someone else keeps talking, what does that look like for you guys? Because for me watching, it's like, oh my God, they don't want to move on. But for you, it's like, I feel like it may be a little stressful because you're trying to keep up with time. So yes. So also the producer's main job is to make sure that we hit our breaks on time, make sure that we um, pay our bills. Like we have to go to commercial break. Somebody, RVs has got to pay the bills. So um, that's really important. And Molly has a very difficult job because she has to interrupt the two biggest sports personalities in America. So, so she has a very difficult job. And like our job is to basically just support her and help her. Like we're the traffic stop. She's the traffic uh, I don't even know, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yes, directors. 
So, you know, like we say stop. All right, cool. All right, guys, time across the road. Everyone stop. It's her job to make sure we get there. Um, unfortunately, she's doing it down the West Side Highway in New York. Cars just going back and forth all the time. Um, so it definitely does get pretty stressful. Like the control room is, you know, like everyone has their moments for sure. Mm, okay. Um, and then also whenever you have guests come on that may not be in the studio, how do you kind of control those, maybe those microphone issues or things like that um, right before they get on air? Yeah, you can't control that. <laughs> That's the best thing about TV is that you don't know sometimes. <laughs> you don't know, like sometimes that person doesn't sit down until three minutes before they're hit. And then you're like, they have their AirPods in and they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. And then one of their AirPods dies or you have someone who's home and then all of a sudden their dog starts barking. Can't control that. Like it's just TV. So, you know, I always you know, tell my coworkers, like, we just roll with it. We just roll with it and keep on going. It might get clipped off for Twitter, but at the end of the day, that's just more eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And writing for Max Kellerman versus writing for Shannon Sharp, what's like the biggest difference whenever that change occurred? So I also produced Max's show, This Justin. Um, yeah, so I was working on that with him and Seaport as well. So that's where I did a lot of my script writing for Max. Um, the thing is, when you have debaters, we don't really do much script writing for them. You know, when you have someone like Max, he turned from a debater to a host. And that's required. That requires more script writers. That requires help, um, more research, things like that. Anything that Max, I you know, or Shannon like has to say, like that they work closely like if, with their researcher and that person helps them put together notes. But for the most part, they don't, they just, they do, you do the thing. You say, ready, set, go. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Go ahead and make that money, baby. And they do it and they deliver every time. Awesome. Okay, that's cool. And I did not know you wrote for This Just In. So amazing. Yeah. Uh, kind of take me through a day in the life of producing. Did you have a show today? And if so, kind of how it went and um, things like that. So yeah, so a day in the life. Um, well, that kind of it, it changes like Monday through Friday. If we don't have a remote show, um, I'll give you like what that looks like because remote shows and when we have like super big guests, that looks like completely different. But just like a regular typical day, like reg waking up, it's Monday, NFL, last day of the season, like last, last week of the season kind of thing. I live in Jersey, so I have to wake up pretty early, 5.30. And um, I'm up getting ready to make my commute into the city. My first meeting is at 7.30. That's where we put together um, all of talent's ideas and their thoughts. So let's say it's a Wednesday, actually. And we have Mad Dog, we have Stephen A., and both of them are on our meeting, our morning meeting, and they're going through their thoughts from the previous game. We have that meeting up until about eight o'clock. Eight o'clock is when we start getting into those scripts. Now, if I'm in charge of putting together everyone's answers and sending that out in like in a big email to everybody on the show, directors, um, digital producers, talent, coordinating producers, researchers, you know, um, graphics producers, we all are together on one chain email, send that out with everyone's answers, and then boom, I get in my uh, script writing, 
start doing that. Second hour is done. Molly, she's she's done with her script writing. The um, senior producers go through, check all the scripts, make sure everything's right, make sure it's accurate. And then boom, 10 o'clock, showtime. Showtime comes in. I'm in the control room, listening to the show, checking social media, you know, seeing what's trending um, throughout the day. We have people that also clip off stuff to then post on Instagram and Twitter during the show. And then we have, like, let's say there's breaking news. Cool breaking news. My job is to make sure that that script for the breaking news gets right to Molly's desk for her to read by the next break. Every now and then that happens. If there's a guest, um, like Adam Silver, we'll um, go through interview questions with Stephen A. Anything that he needs, any research notes, I got to get it for him on his desk by the time he walks in. Um, talk to talent, make sure that they're prepped for what they're you know, walking into some people are intimidated by Stephen A. Some people are like, I'm ready for him. Whatever he want to ask me, let's go. You don't know. So <laughs> just kind of walking through, making sure that they're comfortable with being on our show. And then after the show's finished, we have our post-show meeting. We basically come together, all the producers, graphic producers, production assistants, um, talents not really included in this. They kind of like go off with their busy lives. Um, Stephen A does his like 10,000 other shows in that same day. Um, but we have that meeting, we come together, take notes about how the day went, um, things that could have been better, things that we were really happy about. Um, and then we prepare for the very next show immediately after. And we're like, okay, cool. So what's on the, what's on the deal for tomorrow? And then we start brainstorming for tomorrow. And then um, after that, make my fun commute home. At that point, it's probably about 2.30. And then I come home, I just relax and ready, get ready to do it all over again. Wow, that's a very busy day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, 5.30, I'm up and at them. <laughs> yeah, how many opportunities has producing open for you? I saw you were at the US Open or something like that not too long ago. Um, so I think that's just so cool. So kind of just tell me, the doors that is open for you. Yeah, so um, I mentioned in my last answer about the remote shows that we do. Um, the US Open is one of those um, technically remote shows, even though it was in New York, where we'll go to different sites. Um, last week, I was in Houston for the national championship, which was amazing. Like, I was like, am I even real? It's just it's <laughs> happening right now. Um, being so closely uh, connected with the talent and um, being support for them, it has allowed me to travel with them. Not all the time, because we do like to rotate. Um, it's not just myself. There's other producers, like I mentioned, that help out every day. So um, the U.S. Open, that was my first time even going to U.S. Open, a tennis match, period. That was extremely fun. I was like, I felt like I was at Disney World, but for like adults, for like adult, like sports adults, because it was like, it was a lot going on, a lot of families. It's definitely very touristy, but it's like everyone's wearing tennis skirts and polos. I'm like, okay, like this is, this is a vibe. Like, like Y'all do sporting different, like. No one's like, you know, trashed out with beer and face paint and like sweaty and all that. It's literally just like, it's like a little classy sporting event. Like, okay, so what the girls are doing. Yeah, I like it. So yeah, so that was pretty fun. And just like getting to see different cities. And we went to Colorado having, you know, we got to see Deion Sanders. I got to be up close and personal with him and his sons and like 
that's the kind of stuff that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. So I'm really grateful for that. Is being an on-air talent, is that something that you may have in your future? Because I've seen your reels and they are amazing. Um, and you really have that character and that voice. Um, so I was wondering if that's something that you could see yourself doing, you know, maybe writing your own stuff or something like that. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, girl, we're working on it. 2024. We're definitely working on it. That's something that I've also known as a little girl, like, I can do that, you know? And I think for me, the most important thing is while I'm at ESPN, it's just becoming a triple threat. Like a girl who can be on air, a girl who can produce, and a girl who can do social media. That is just who I want to be, who I'm focused on being. Um, ESPN is definitely helping me with all three, you know? And then I also work on my own personal brand with TikTok, which also helps me with um, with on air and social media. So I'm trying to be that triple threat because that's how Beyonce got up out of Destiny's Child. <laughs> you feel me? So if I gotta be Beyonce, I gotta be Beyonce. <laughs> you know, so we're we're gonna we're gonna pray on it for sure. <laughs> What does being a Black woman in sports mean to you? And it's kind of a two-part question. If you could talk to someone who wants to get into what you're doing right now, what's kind of the number one advice that you would give them? Being a Black woman in sports, it means responsibility. And it's responsibility not only for myself, because, you know, I have to get up every single morning, every single day in the morning, look at myself in the mirror. There are times where I'm like, if I don't speak up at work, I can't sleep well at night. I can't look myself in the mirror knowing that I'm the only Black woman in the room with a responsibility to speak up and not doing that. That's, you know, the pride I take in being a Black woman. And then also responsibility for the girls coming after me. I want girls who come into the same doors that I've been going through to feel comfortable, to feel um, like they're like they're needed there. Because we are. We are needed there. And I didn't have too many women to come through like and hold my hand through the process. I had to do a lot of that figuring out by myself. Um, I had to rely on black male leaders to kind of guide me that way too. Um, but it's not the same, it's not the same. There's a lot of girls who come into ESPN doors knowing you know, that Maria Taylor has left on somewhat bad terms, that Carrie Champion has left on somewhat bad terms. And these are all women that we look up to. So, you know, I came in and I'm like, damn, what's happening? Like. How am I gonna navigate this through? And I just wanna make sure that the women coming after me um, know that they have an ally, one, someone that they can trust, someone that you don't have to worry about. If you tell me something, then it could jeopardize your career. Um, just being that, that figure for someone to say, okay, I saw Tatiana do it, so I can do it as well. Because you know, a lot of the things that I'm doing, I've been the only person that I've seen do it. So, so yeah, just just being just being responsible and taking that not lightly and just knowing that like every single day when I walk in, I have to worry about being the only woman in the space and then being the only black woman in the space and knowing that no matter what, people are already going to have a perception of me before I even open my mouth. So just being responsible and knowing that and just, you know, wearing my crown on my head, girl, and just not letting anybody tip it off either. Um, definitely stay connected to NABJ because if it wasn't for NABJ, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I went to NABJ in 2017 in New Orleans. That was my first one. 
And I want to say I just turned like 21. I remember they had like a round table full of ESPN interviews. And I did the round table. It was like me, five other people, and everyone's resumes were better than mine. I completely lost all hope and faith. I was like, I bombed that interview. I left crying, like panic attack, everything, telling my parents, oh my God, I'll never work for ESPN. I just blew it. And then years later, the connections and the people that I met at ABJ, when it was that time for me to apply at ESPN, I said, hey, let me lean on my brothers and my connects that I've met there. And they were able to put me in contact with recruiters at ESPN. And when I had that interview for ESPN that second time around, you better believe I was ready for it. I was ready for it. So, and then I got to go back to NABJ in um, 2022 and kind of have like a full circle moment and get to talk to other students who want to be in my position. So stay connected to NABJ because that's where I got uh where i am now and just you know don't give up on yourself i super super appreciate it uh and i can't wait to see the work that you do i'm already ready for first take tomorrow i'm already ready right. when you watch it you're gonna be like okay coming up okay that was a nice little line you did there like <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Black Women No Sports podcast. To learn more about our speaker or to shop Black Women No Sports apparel, head over to the links in my show notes. I'll see you next week with another very important guest.